Welcome to my podcast, Follow Your Bliss, with me, Nicola Fisher. I'll be talking to people who inspire me and asking them about the journeys they've taken navigating change and how this has led them to find fulfilment and purpose. If you're on a quest to create a meaningful life for yourself, I hope these conversations inspire you too. My guest on the podcast today is Karen Staniland Platt. Karen is a photographer who specialises in photographing women to help them be seen. We had a lovely conversation talking about photography, visibility, finding purpose, and the lessons learned from growing a business. We even mentioned Damien Lewis. It was great talking with a fellow photographer and someone who shares similar interests around living seasonally and in alignment with nature. We talk about Karen's hopes and dreams for the future and the importance of stepping out of your comfort zone to just do it. I hope our chat inspires you to explore some of your own hopes and dreams. It's really lovely to have this chance to talk to you. Since we met at the Wellbeing Brunch, um, we didn't really get a chance to talk there, but I've been looking at your website and you'd said a few things on the day. And I just thought you were such a great person to talk to about things like visibility and being seen, which are really key themes for me as well. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us... Um, how you got into doing what you're doing now I know that you've done a few things in the past including and this made me really smile uh, (laughs) being a receptionist for a high class hooker (laughs) that's not on the resume normally (laughs) (laughs) that was definitely one that made me smile but what is it that drives you to do what you're doing now and how did you get started Ooh, um, so the the whistle stop tour version of it. I'd be here for hours going through all of it. But um, I um, I used to be a dancer. That's what I did first professionally. Um, and from there, when I couldn't kind of continue with my dancing career that I really really loved, I then went to work in sales, which I did for quite a few years. I worked for some of the local newspapers where I used to live in Sheffield. Um, as you rightly say, I was a receptionist for a high class hooker for a, a certain amount of time. I'm, I'm keeping that one back for the biography. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I did lots of sales, telephone sales initially. Um, then kind of um, they let me out with a, my own company car and I started going out visiting businesses and selling to them. Um, and that gradually went well not gradually it went on for a a long time I enjoyed sales a great deal and from there I made the move into marketing for a variety of reasons a lot of which I can't even remember anymore now but I spent about 15 years in marketing altogether um I worked in kind of ad agencies um you know everything from kind of creating advertising in newspapers through to tv and radio that sort of thing um, and really, really loved it. But I, I, I think a lot of people that have worked in advertising will tell you that it's fairly full on. And you get burnt out quite quickly. Um, it's it's fairly intensive. So I kind of went from there to being self-employed again as a, a marketing consultant, but so I could manage my own hours and kind of work maybe a little bit more with the clients that I love to work with most. And I did that for quite a while as well. And I basically got to a point where I thought, right, I'm I'm working for myself. I'm, I'm my own boss. Um, I was earning good money doing it. Um, I could kind of control my hours and everything. So it was kind of, I reached that point of thinking, if if I can do all of these amazing things, why am I not a bit happier? and a bit more content in what I'm doing and it really made me look at um, what I got greatest enjoyment from which um, photography was one of those things that I'd kind of done as a a hobby for a a long long time since being a child 
I'd started having a few lessons, but only to indulge my own personal interests. And I thought I'd start having a go at trying to do it professionally. So I worked with a lot of my existing marketing clients first um, and did free work for them, sort of building a portfolio. And it's kind of morphed a little bit. I can't pretend that I have had a really clear cut, right, this is the direction of travel. It's kind of evolved along the way. And um, about 18 months ago, I got to the point where I was doing photography full time. It was paying my, my wage. I'd stopped any marketing clients anymore. And I began to realize that nearly every single person I worked with was female that they were all in a very similar situation to me. They'd started their own businesses after, you know, a bit of a career change in direction. Um, and they were all struggling a little bit with um, getting their photos taken. By the, by the point they'd come to me, it became very, it became very obvious that they'd probably spent an, a whole year or so building up to that point of booking a shoot um and now because i've made that my focus for about 18 months now i'm now getting bookings from people that are saying you know i met you a year ago and i knew i wanted my photos taken and it's it's taken me until now to take the plunge or book the dating um and it's really really got me thinking about the different reasons that um we we hide i mean i'm, I'm talking predominantly about females because that's um, that's what I understand better than in anything else. Um, mm. But we find reasons to not show up for ourselves. Um, we feel like we might be classed as showing off, um, you know, if we're seen too much on social media. We do all of these things that kind of hold us back. Um, and photography has given me a great way of helping women to overcome some of that. So that's a very long-winded um, story behind it. Well, there's there's a few things I wanted to ask you from that. Um, do you think being a photographer, it helps you see other people in a different way? Mm, um, oh, that makes me think of a few things. I think um, I think it does. I think you really. I really look at people's body language and I see it change over the course of a shoot. Um, so, you know, from being, you know, a bit awkward and kind of the not fake smiles, but struggling a bit to kind of let that real natural smile come through. Um, so in one sense, it, it does, because I really see, it really allows me to notice when people are struggling um, because I'm, I'm looking completely at their face and the body language and kind of really zoned in on that. Um, so, yes, I think it does allow us to see differently. Plus, as well, the other thing is um, I find then when I come to edit pictures, because, you know, I'll be on a shoot for an hour, two hours or something, and then I get to come back and look at these faces for hours while I'm running through the editing. Um and I get to see these, there might be, say there's 10 photos, they all look exact, but one photo where that spark has happened. So I get to see it in the editing as well. I get to see that moment where that person has just let their guard down or just allowed themselves to be who they really are just for a second sometimes. So I think the camera does, and then that kind of, staring at somebody's face for the amount of time that you do when you're editing um i'm not going to encourage people to book after this am i um <laughs> saying of staring at them for that long uh, but it's lovely you see um so much of people's faces that we don't see ourselves because we're not comfortable looking at our own image it's funny isn't it that we find it so hard to put ourselves out there and i include myself in that and yeah. being seen um you know, I I haven't got any photographs really of me on my website, and um, I because we need to specify that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I wonder what I could do about that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you, you know, I'm really into my photography. I, I don't do it professionally like you do, but I love my photography, and I think you get into the habit of always being behind the camera as well. 
Mm. So I have huge chunks of my adult life where I have no photographs of me at all. Yeah. Because yeah. I was always taking the pictures. Do you know what as well? It just makes me think as well. The because for one, I have still struggle daily with the the being seen I still take if I take pictures of myself it still takes me you know a fair bit of time to pluck up the courage and share it I'm getting better but it still exists but the other thing that my cameras always allow me to do as well like you say it's I've got tons of photographs of my daughter and my dog and my husband and my family not so many of me but also my camera I have to be careful because my camera allows me to hide so, um, you know, I'm really comfortable behind my camera, um, which is great, but I have to remember that I need to come out <laughs> the other side sometimes as well. So I think it's a really valid point, with, with, especially as mums as well. I think we seem to take on that role of capturing the family memories on, you know, on our phones and things and forget them as well. What makes you really qualified to help people with visibility and being seen? Because I think this obviously stems from, and I'm speaking from my experience here as well of the whole visibility mm. thing. I think we kind of, there's this old adage, you teach best what you most need to learn. Yes. And I'm just wondering with you, where does the visibility and being seen theme really come from? Yeah, a hundred percent agree with that. Um, mine um, stems from a few things, kind of like a lot of these things, it goes back to childhood. Um, you know, even well-meaning parents and grandparents that would kind of encourage me to, you know, be quiet and, you know, don't show off. And, you know, if you'd have a new, have a new dress, you know don't show off don't make people think that you're being all showy about it those kind of stories for one have stuck with me over the years um I think there's you know the other side of um you know just I suppose I was going to say maturing um I don't know if it is maturing but you know putting on weight um changes in physical appearance all of those sorts of things have really made me in the past hide away and kind of be ashamed um, of what I look like um, and I think I think you're absolutely right the things that we struggle with the most um, teach us a great deal and there is there's so many opportunities in the past that I've missed because I've been afraid of putting myself forward. It's not just, for me, it's not just about being visible. It's not just the visual, you know, the photographs. It's kind of, um, you know, being proud of what you do, telling people about what you do. It's that self-promotion. And in the past, I've shied away for that um, because of these little stories that have got in my mind about, you know, not showing off. And, um, and I think that's, ultimately what I've got in my mind every single time I take a picture of somebody is that they've potentially got these thoughts running through their mind um so you know you've commented already on my social media feed I I try to put videos of myself out there I do photos of myself but they're usually backed up by me saying how difficult it can be sometimes and how awkward it feels and um, you know, we we look at ourselves very differently to how other people see us, and I'm slowly learning that. I don't know if I if I'd use the word qualified, but I'm certainly experienced in what it feels like to hide away, and I'm also experienced in how amazing it feels when you stand up and you do something and you put yourself forward, and the benefits from that. And I. I've never once, and I'm tempting fate, I've never once had somebody say, stop showing off or we're a bit fed up of seeing your face or, you know, all I tend to get is beautiful, lovely comments and, and hopefully other people taking the lead and doing the same. I was interested by the term that you use, showing off. Mm -hmm. I read it on the blog in one of your posts and I thought that's really interesting because you you spend a lot of your childhood being told not to show off and then when you get older and you know we're, we're trying to grow a business and we're trying to 
be seen to do what we're doing. There is, I think there is that real element and I wasn't aware of it until I read those words and I thought, yeah, it's kind of, you, you don't want to be accused of showing off because mm -hmm. you put something out there that you're proud of. And um, yeah, it's just, it's funny how all these thoughts run around your head. So mm -hmm. what, what do you see as your purpose? Do you have a purpose with your business? Yeah, I think it's it's evolved over time, definitely. Um, but it feels kind of clearer than ever that I'm, you know, I see my purpose as being there to help other women to be seen, to be visible. I feel very strongly that that's kind of what I'm here to do. Um, to, you know, encourage them. And like I said, it's not just the photographs, but encourage them to follow their passions but share them you know speak up about what they're doing um and share both sides you know it's not always about sharing the good stuff is it it's kind of sharing what's gone wrong and the failures and things like that so for me it's it's um i don't want to use the word authentic because it's just used so much now but it's I've not got a word that says it better. It's about showing up and being authentic. And if I can help people do that, then I I see that very much as my purpose in life. Mm. Um, and I think I spent a long time looking for a purpose. Um, and it's kind of, um, it found me rather than the other way around, I think. Mm. So do you feel that, your life and your work are much more in alignment now a hundred percent yeah absolutely um i'm i've become over the years quite a spiritual person as well um and i just feel like there's been too many coincidences too many things that have happened too many opportunities that have come my way at exactly the right time um for it not to be kind of the thing that I should be doing. Um, mm. It's like I'm I'm getting a bit of a nod all the time to just, you know, keep going. And, um, and just those times where I will start to think, I'll maybe start to have ideas for something that I want to do. And sometimes without even vocalising them, something, you know, an email will pop in or... Um, you know, a request to be on a, a podcast like this will show up and you think, ah, okay, that's interesting. I was thinking about that, but good. Um, so, yeah, I feel feel incredibly aligned now. But it's not, you know, I'm um, just coming up to 45. I've, I've spent like 42 of those years. It's felt like I've been looking for purpose. So it feels very good to have found it, but it's been... Um, it's taken time to get there, definitely. I think it does. I mean, I'm 10 years older than you, and it probably – I I left my day job last year in May, um, but probably about the same age as you, I started looking at the themes that I talk about now, mm. but I didn't really do anything about them in a big way. The Steve Jobs thing, is it? Have you heard his speech where he talks about it's only when you look back that you can join the dots up oh yeah yeah absolutely I think I'm a really I'm really big into these milestones that are along the way and you know looking back on some of the things that have happened to me just in the last when would it be seven years mm. you can see all these dots that have led me to where I am now to where I live and mm. you know Chris and I we got married um in 2018 September we only met five years ago and you know if certain things hadn't happened we wouldn't have met you know and yeah. it was so interesting looking at all these things that join up in the middle um I can't remember where we were going with that now but but yeah, we were talking about purpose and you said about um, you'd gone down a more spiritual path. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to know a bit more about what that means for you. Yeah, um, so uh, 
uh, I've lost track of how many years ago it was now, but it's say three or four years back, um, I can really clearly see where it started. Um, two very good friends of mine um, invited me to come to a yoga class. I'd done yoga before, but this was a particular class that they went to. So I started attending this class and I got, um, I have a bit of an addictive personality anyway. So when I do something, I really do it. Um, so I signed up, they did 21 day challenges. They did all sorts of different things. And I got to know these instructors really well. There's two sisters. Um, and it seems like through that yoga class that my friends had introduced me to, I just seemed to like step into this other world of people that were more spiritually connected. Um, not necessarily religious, you know, it was kind of just that they trusted that there was something a bit bigger than they were um, that kind of had their back, so to speak. Um, and from that, um, I mean, I suppose the one thing I haven't mentioned, the big thing was that I was suffering from depression at the time. Um, was on antidepressants lots of different things and I started seeking out more alternative therapies I suppose so I had Reiki um I started doing more meditation that sort of thing and it was literally like from this one yoga class this whole other world opened up I met other people through the yoga I then went on retreats you know lots of different things I started reading different books um and again, I didn't intentionally set out to kind of do any of this. It just found its way to me. And I just, um, I, I remember as a child, I didn't come from a religious family. My mum and dad they didn't go to church or anything like that. But I remember as a child um, praying. I remember sitting by my bed and praying at night. And nobody kind of taught me to do that. Um, and I think I've kind of always had some sort of connection there, but it needed me to break open a little bit before I discovered it again as an adult. Um, so now that for me, that means kind of trusting my gut a lot more. If I'm stuck or struggling with something, I will meditate, um, and try and wait for answers to come up for me, um, and, and even like last last night, um, kind of took part in an online moon club, um, which oh, yeah. was amazing. Um, and so I'm just kind of really open to anything like that now. Um, yeah. And it seems like the more I lean into it, the more guided I feel, to be honest. Mm. I think that's how it works. And mm -hmm. I what what I'm finding is really lovely at the moment with everything that's going on. There are so many people offering um, different things that you can do. I know there you can do free yoga classes. Um, we've you were you were on Emily's um, yeah. meditation. Um, you know, it's just there's so much that you can access, and I think it's a really good time to be doing these things as well because I think it's yeah. part of that bigger process. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big um, advocate of the whole concept of there being so much more to our existence than, you know, we we are led to, to believe. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's, I don't know, I, I see in the people that I talk to, there's almost um, a theme going on of people being more moved into doing what is really in, al in alignment with them and yeah. working from a deeper sense of purpose. And I don't think that's by chance. I think that's, again, just part of this whole bigger, whatever you want to call it, that's going yeah. on. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of us are tapping into that and it's taking us down all sorts of new avenues Um Absolutely. I've found it very interesting, obviously, in the middle of what what we're all going through now across the world. Um, I find it interesting that the the technology like this, like we're speaking on today, um, has kind of been there for us for a while. But it's like we literally it's like the pennies dropped and we've said, ah, we can properly connect through this stuff. Mm -hmm. 
So like you say, like yesterday morning going on Emily's kind of meditation, miracle morning thing, um, and then ending my day with the, an online moon club, it was amazing. And I felt totally and utterly connected to everybody on there, despite, you know, it being via technology. Um, so, yeah, I think it's um, it's difficult times, but I think we're learning a hell of a lot from mm. what's going on now, aren't we? Yeah, and I think it's, it's ironic in a way that, you know, now um, in the UK we're formally um, at home for three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, I think there's a greater sense of community as well that is out there, and I'm really enjoying that, and I'm enjoying seeing other people doing stuff and um, just I don't know that people just seem to be looking out in a way um, in, mm. a, in a different way than you do when you're going to work and it's all the hustle and bustle uh, yeah. and it, it's funny because I think there's a sense of us having to go within and do the meditation but then there's this bigger thing of looking out and being part of that bigger community but they they kind of work together um but yeah I'm loving watching all this happen um I think it's it's really nice um so one of the questions when we were talking about photography how does photography actually make you feel the you know with being out with your camera and what what does that make you feel like yeah it's um I suppose there's there's two sides to it. There's the there's like my official photography, if you like, you know, where I'm I'm kind of photographing women or women's events, that sort of thing. Um, that side of it, I absolutely love. Um, it's in a positive way, given what I've said about visibility. In a positive way, the camera kind of makes me invisible. So like if I'm photographing an event in particular, um, I can kind of glide in and out of everything that's happening, be part of it. But after a while, people forget you're there. So their guard relaxes. So I love that. I love that I can kind of get completely absorbed in an event. And also that I'll put myself in places I wouldn't do if I was at attending the event if that makes sense so I'll run along the back of the stage or you know those sorts of things which and the camera allows me to do that so it, it empowers me it makes me feel um just very confident but very happy and grateful and fortunate to do what I do and then there's the other side of it which is just kind of me with a camera um photographing stuff outdoors or even on my iPhone and things like that and I love how lost I can get in that activity it's a it is another form of meditation for me it's an escape it's a chance to be creative without any judgment um it's yeah it's it's like it's like magic it, I love how it makes me feel and then I love for me, the editing is just as big a part as the photo, actually taking the photos and that coming back and that excitement of what have I got? Did I get what I think I did? And how has the light actually fallen on that so that person's face? And, and then I don't edit heavily my work. A lot of my work is about obviously being authentic and, and real. So I don't remove wrinkles or anything like that. Um, but you'll you'll know as a photographer that when you start doing little tiny little tweaks, the photos just come to life, mm -hmm. and it's that magic. That's what I absolutely love, and it's just um, it's incredibly fulfilling um, in a way that I've not found in anything else I've ever done work wise. Yeah, I think like magic. <laughs> it, it is. I think that using that word magic, it is that, um, and I think. I, I mean, I'm doing mostly street photography. Um, like that. That's sort of what I got into doing. And I think the magic for me is seeing what other people don't see. Mm, and yes. 
you know, walking, I mean, I walk down all sorts of back alleys in Manchester <laughs> and I'm looking for these tiny details. And I know you're doing portraits and mine's different, but I think the commonality is we're looking for something. You're looking for something that others don't see in themselves. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like that. And I love it when someone says, Oh, I've just seen that photograph and I've walked past that building and I've never seen that before. <laughs> that makes me so happy that yeah. it sort of made them notice. But I think as well, photography for me was a big um, catalyst for connecting with myself. And I use creativity as one of the tools that I suggest to people for really kind of getting into flow Um connecting to themselves and just spending that time almost like the meditation and I yeah. find that really important yeah How, I think for you yeah I 100% agree I think a few things kind of occurred to me when you said that um like when I was younger dancing that's that's what dancing did for me it allowed me to express myself it was complete freedom um, and I think since I stopped dancing, I've been trying to find that feeling in something else. And that's what I found in photography. Um, I love the way that you put it, that you see something that other people don't see. I think that is so right. And, and as I say, even in the portraits is seeing people in a way that they don't see themselves. Um, but um, so I've lost my flow a little bit there. But I had something else to say and I can't remember what the question um, was. Well, about um, creativity, photography being that route to your creativity, but also to yourself and getting in flow. Yeah, well, I, the, the other thing that I was going to say is when I worked in ad agencies, um, for anybody who's not had that experience, it, it used to be the case that you had the creatives so they were the people that did the made the pictures come to life and wrote all the amazing words and things and then you had the suits and the suits were the ones that went out and did the business and brought the briefs back and things and I was a suit so the whole entire time I worked in agencies um, I just believed I wasn't a creative person because I didn't sit on that side of the agency so when I when I left agencies, I think it was a bit of a journey that I went on is trying to discover that creativity again and prove to myself that everybody is creative. I'm a massive believer in that um, in different ways, of course. Not everybody can paint or draw, but I think creative is much deeper than that. Um, so I'd gone through this period of time of just thinking I'm not creative. So kind of bringing, you know, picking my camera back up again long before I ever intended to turn it into a business. That was a way of creatively expressing myself. Um, and, you know, I started reading books like um, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, which I'm guessing you've probably read, Nicola. And, um, and I'm just a massive admirer of Elizabeth Gilbert's work anyway. I've been to see her speak in London. Oh, wow. And yeah, she's she's just as amazing as you think she would be as well as a speaker. Um, but for me now, it's all about creativity. Um, everything I do, I've got a 10-year-old daughter and um, the, the thing that this kind of enforced staying at home is bringing out is giving us time to be creative together. You know, we sat doing collages yesterday and we've done colouring in and we've done all sorts of things. And it's been lovely because she's a very creative child. I can see that in her. So um, I just, I basically believe creativity will save the world ultimately. I really do. I'm a massive component of anything creative. Yeah, I, I'm the same. And I think this opportunity that we've got of staying at home and paring down our lives so that we've got some headspace to think and be creative mm -hmm. is really important. And I think if people can sit back a bit, that creativity will naturally happen because I think mm -hmm. it, it's we've got the right conditions now for people yeah. to be a lot more creative. Um, so, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see 
what comes out of this period um mm. at, you know at the end of it we were talking yesterday just as a family about um you know wondering what books will be being written right now and yeah. you, you think yeah. of, was like the narnia books weren't they written during the war or something and um and might not be correct on that I'm not 100% but you just kind of think there is there will be amazing works of creativity that come out of this period whether it's the theatre or dancing or you know books whatever it might be it's it's the right time for creativity I think. Yeah absolutely and I think I've seen a few examples on Instagram of people who were um, in similar situations you know hundreds of years ago and they came up with massive uh, breakthroughs in science and um, all sorts of stuff like that so yeah. yeah it's it's definitely going to happen um what are the biggest lessons that you've learned from running your own business wow there's a lot isn't there when you run your own business yeah. uh, the biggest ones i think and i'm not great at doing this uh, but when i do it's a good exercise is trying to look at what I've achieved instead of constantly looking what's still ahead. Um, I think sometimes I, as generally as a person, but certainly in running my own business, it's I've found it too easy to kind of think, well, I've not done this and I said I was going to do that and I've not launched this and, you know, looking at all those kind of that to-do list of things instead of thinking, right, I've survived in business for X number of years. I've worked with this amount of clients. I've, you know, done this thing that I never thought I'd be able, capable of doing. So I think one big lesson is constantly looking at how much I have achieved instead of beating myself up for the, the length of the to-do list. And I think the other big lesson, which I find the hardest, and this is, I don't know if you'll relate to this, Nicola, but it's it's the it's it's a spiritual lesson as well. It's kind of that letting things happen in their own time. Um, I think because there's you know majority of self-employed um, people, you know, finance is you know having money coming in is a is is a must. It's you know most of us can't survive without it. Um, but I have had times in my business where I've so fiercely gone after the money that I've completely lost direction in what I've actually started my business to do, if that makes sense. Um, so whether people see it spiritually or not, I think it's trusting in kind of what you started your business to do and staying true to that through whatever the pressures may be, a new competitor coming onto the market a you know a money not flowing in for a period of time um technical failures whatever it might be is kind of keep coming back to what you're in business to do and staying true to that as much as possible um i find that really hard but when i stick to it I experience the greatest joy in my business and that's ultimately what I'm in business to do. I don't know as I'm going to be a multimillionaire, but if I'm happily self-employed and content in my life, then um, then that's probably my bigger goal, really. I think that's really good advice. And I think as well, I've seen with what I've done, there have been periods of ebb and flow and sometimes mm -hmm. you really want to push ahead and mm -hmm. make progress and whatever you do it just doesn't happen yeah it's, and I think sometimes you know if you're looking at it from a spiritual viewpoint there are times when things are going to flow and when they're not and it's just getting used to dealing with those times when you really want something to move forward and it just doesn't yeah um absolutely, absolutely. And I think as well um and I'm only just getting better at doing this, but it's kind of enjoying the quieter times as well, instead of panicking and kind of think, because, you know, inevitably businesses kind of, you know, they do have this ebb and flow, exactly as you've said, Nicola. And sometimes I've spent so much time worrying when I'm quiet, instead of just thinking, 
do you know what? I'm going to take the afternoon and go and meet a friend for a coffee or uh, online, maybe more nowadays at the moment, but um, or I'm going to get some fresh air or I'm going to book on that yoga class. You know, I've resisted doing that in the past and thought that just sitting at my desk worrying would bring the money in, but it doesn't. Um, so, yeah, that ebb and flow, definitely kind of trying to use those periods of quietness as much as you can to benefit you and ramp up ready for when it all goes crazy again and busy. I listened to Ruth Poundwhite. Um, oh, she has a podcast and she did a podcast talking about um, a book called Do Less, which is by Kate Northrup. And what interested me in that was she talks about the moon cycle and how each phase of the moon cycle is about um, doing different types of work. So there might be some phases where you're really creative and you're on it, then you're resting. And I find that's quite a useful concept. And I'm looking at ways of integrating that more in what I do. And I saw Emily as well. She talks about the sort of um, foods and um, it was more like grains and seeds and things that you should eat yeah. at different times. And I'm just really fascinated by this whole concept of there's times for different things and yeah. the seasonal, but also um, the phase element of how we can live our lives. Yeah, I, I completely and utterly agree i think the the kind of the moon cycles is something that i'm only just beginning to kind of get greater awareness of um but you know even eating seasonally has kind of mm. been promoted over the last few years a lot more hasn't it and i think it's it's taking that practice into all aspects of life like you say nicola into our work and all sorts of different things we we stand to be a lot more content i think if we can go with with that ebb and flow yeah yeah and i think that the seasonal aspect as well is maybe going to be more important to us i think perhaps yeah. people seem to be more tuning into that now as well yeah definitely so I, I read on one of your blog posts um you were talking about this whole thing of not believing that something might work. So not doing it because you feel that, oh, well, um, I may as well not waste my time because I can't lose weight or I can't make my business work mm. or can't make this project work. And you sort of saying, oh, well, why waste your time and let's not bother doing it. I, <laughs> I found that really interesting. Um, I think because I can resonate with that, uh, mm. you know, not sort of, putting yourself out there with your business because well maybe it won't work so let's just sack it and not do it at all <laughs> just tell me about your thoughts around that yeah I think it just becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling pro prophecy it's kind of like you know well it won't work so I won't do anything about it so it doesn't happen and it doesn't work um I think I've kind of seen this in so many different aspects of my own life um like um not so long ago it was it was my own website you know kind of not redoing it not putting it out there there was nothing wrong with it at all there was very little that needed doing to it but it came back to this point that if I put it out there I was inviting criticism I was inviting you know the potential it might not work so it was easy just to hide because I could control that it still wasn't going to work. It definitely wasn't going to work if nobody saw it. Um, but for the sake of potentially getting a few people that didn't like it, I was holding myself back. Um, and I think the, I think possibly the the post that you're referring to, I mentioned kind of about my my weight loss as well. Um, it's kind of I I've in the past I've not done certain things because I've thought well, will they really make a difference? Will one yoga class make a difference? Will not eating sugar for a week really make a difference? So I've just self-sabotaged before I've even started anything. Um, and I'm not sure I've got an answer to how I get around that. It's like eventually my 
mind catches up with my body and thinks, what the hell, let's try it anyway. Um, and I think I've always, I've always kind of been the kind of person that would, um, it's not risk taking, but I'll do something and see what happens. So um, whether it's a website, whether it's starting my own business, um, whether it's, you know, even having my daughter, you know, I had no idea whether I was going to be a decent mum or not, but it was like, well, there's <laughs> only one way to find out. Um, you know, there's, there's all these things that we stop ourselves doing because we're worried about the outcome and all we achieve in worrying is not doing them at all. And I think I'd much rather put myself out there and risk failing than never having tried. I think um, there's, there is some saying that I'm probably going to completely butcher, which is about like, um, you know, regretting what you've not done um see i said i'd butcher it uh, <laughs> but but the, i know what you mean yeah the just the premise being i would rather you know whenever it is laying on my my deathbed or whatever i don't want to be sat there thinking god i wish i'd tried this mm. um i just i just think it's always best to give something a go um and i'm not like I said, I'm not a risk taker in the sense of bungee jumps and that sort of thing. That absolutely terrifies me and I will never do those things, that's for sure. Um, but I think in terms of like, you know, pushing out your comfort zones, those sorts of things. Um, you mentioned before a, a podcast, one of the ones I really love is How to Fail with Elizabeth Day. Um, and it's just... It's incredible, these amazing, famous people that you think have never struggled with anything in their lives. And they tell these stories of their failures and what went wrong and what, you know, all these different things. And you just think, God, if they if they did it, why can't I? It's just and the chances are as well, especially when we come to websites and business stuff and showing up for ourselves. We have this assumption that everybody in the world is going to stop and look at that one social post and criticise us. In all honesty, it's a handful of people that see it the first time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, the risks are so minimal. Um, and just the joy after you've done something, you know, that's pushed you out of your comfort zone a little bit is so incredible. Um and I think ultimately that's kind of what I try to focus on when I'm sticking at certain points of, you know, of things is kind of that, right, okay, but what am I losing out on by not doing this? Um, so no, by no means an expert, but um, I'm always happy to talk about the odd times it's worked. <laughs> well, I'd say maybe you wouldn't call yourself an expert, but you could call yourself a practitioner. Very, yes, very true, Nicola. <laughs> I like the way you put things. <laughs> and I think it's, I think the whole thing about getting out of your comfort zone, I think that is probably the crux of it as well. Um, you know, we get so comfortable just, just, you know, like me sitting here in my study and, you know, I can potter about and do stuff, but it's then sharing what you've done as well and putting it out there. Um, I think, you know, what you said about these famous people, um, we always think that other people have got it sussed and sorted and you watch somebody and you think, wow, that was a great IGTV or Instagram story video that they've done or whatever. Um, but everybody's either been where we are now or they're going through it. And, yeah. you know, we're all on the same kind of journeys. Absolutely. I have a very good example of waiting to do something. So obviously we're in the middle of this absolute crisis at the moment. Um, but I had spent months and months and months thinking about doing a visibility workshop. So I, you know, I really, really kind of overthought this. And I did a little story on instagram and everybody said yeah 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 brilliant we'd, we'd love something like that and i dawdled on a little bit and i dawdled on and then i launched it the day that the uk really started to turn upside down and it was like ah oh, shit 
<laughs> Holding an event right now isn't the best of timing. But um, but my lesson from that is, uh, well, twofold. One, if you're thinking, just do something. Just get on with it and see what happens. And two, I'm now moving it online. <laughs> so um, every cloud. But it's just... You know, there are so many times we wait for the right time and there's just no such thing. There's never a right time. Um, just you've got to do it and hope for the best and let the universe or whatever you believe in do its thing. And um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what would you say to people who are now sitting at home um we're in this situation where, you know, a lot of us are now, I'm calling it on retreat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, they've got this really great idea that's perfect for now and it could help a lot of people. What would you say to them? <laughs> uh, two words, do it. <laughs> um, no, I think it's just, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this over the last week and I think we completely underestimate what we have to bring to the table um and it stops us doing things and we find excuses or especially now we think well, why would anybody want to know about this at this point in time why is what i'm doing important anymore um and i my my key thing is just don't un don't underestimate the impact that you can have on people you know you're one seemingly simple idea might help two people through the whatever happens in the next few weeks your um your funny video might be a distraction from somebody that's really struggling at the moment um never underestimate the power of your own energy um mm. i think i you know whether it's sharing a smile on instagram whether it's sharing a funny story of what your child's done instead of doing the homeschooling or um or like you say a brand new product just there will always be people that say oh, should you really be doing this and there will always be people that say brilliant i've been looking for that or i've been waiting for that or i'm so glad you came and put that online or whatever it might be um so don't don't get caught up in your own head making all the excuses just do it put something mm. out there have a go um if if it doesn't work you'll learn something from it and you'll do it differently next time mm. um but don't don't let what's happening now in particular in particular act as an excuse for you if it's a if it's a genuine reason of course but if all you're doing is making excuses and saying, well, you know, it's not the right time or people have got other things to think about, um, just put something out there and see what happens. Yeah. Just see. No, that's really good advice. So um, what's still ahead for you then? What <laughs> dreams? Um, what would you like to do? Um, my current dream is just to be able to get out photographing people again. I feel like I've had my hands tied behind my back. Um, I, um, it's in one respect, it's to carry on doing what I'm doing and photograph more and more and more women. Um, I want to increase kind of my offer, I suppose. So photography will always be at the heart of what I do, but I want to explore other ways that I can help women to be visible um, and um, and potentially um, my big dream has always been to write a book. Um, so definitely writing a book, maybe two, maybe one about visibility, maybe one, something completely different. I'd love to write a children's book. Um, so maybe that's something in the future. Um, and then I have a... Um, I have a, a board in in my office of women that I dream of photographing. Um, so some of my heroes. So I'm spending some of my time while we're on retreat, as you put it, yeah. um, looking at adding women to that, the women that I want to work with. It's like a bit of a vision board for me. Um, 
So, so can you tell us somebody you've got on there? Can you share that? Oh, yeah, happily. Um, uh, Holly Tucker. And um, I'm have such a girl crush on Holly Tucker. So she's the well, she was the founder of Not on the High Street, and she's a massive supporter of small businesses. Um, I would love to photograph Holly Tucker. Um, and you know, while we're putting them out there, Elizabeth Gilbert, that'd be a pretty amazing one. Um, yeah, Gabby Bernstein. Um, there's an amazing woman that I do a lot of work well um kind of a lot of courses and things within this country called Jodie Shield she's another one that I'd love to photograph so yeah it's always growing that list always growing <laughs> that sounds really nice um, I think it's I, I think it's really good to have these ideas of you know things that you want to do and I know as a fellow photographer when you get to photograph somebody that you really admire there is something special about that. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's sort of I don't know I, I don't really know how you can describe it, but it is it is very special to be able to do that. Um, I and think I think it, it's it's a privilege, isn't it? Really, you know, like you said, you can go to places as a photographer that as an audience member you can't go to. Yeah. No, it's it's. And even kind of just the, you know, the one-to-one -one portraits that I take of people, the like the business portraits, it's, it is such an honour to, to be able to photograph people. And, and because the majority of people I'm photographing, they're really putting a lot of trust in me because they're not overly comfortable and confident um, at, at the outset anyway. Um, it feels like such a gift that I can kind of go on that journey with them. And you do, I keep every time I say this, I, I know I'm tempting fate, but every shoot I've done so far with a woman that started saying, I'm really dreading this, are you going to tell me what to do? And that sort of stuff has ended it going, oh, That was amazing, I really enjoyed that. Oh, I feel you know, I feel great now. Um, and I don't want to tempt fate with that, but it's. It is such an honour to kind of go on that journey with a woman going through all those emotions and then coming out the other side knowing she's pushed out of that comfort zone. I see it as quite an honour to go on that journey um, with any woman from going to being, you know, really awkward and uncomfortable and then coming out the other side feeling amazing that they've pushed out of their comfort zone. It's, it's, it's an amazing um, experience to have with somebody. Thank you. That's right. So I've just got one last thing I want to ask you. <laughs> just two words. Damien Lewis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you really have trolls through my old pictures. <laughs> oh, do you want me to tell you the story? Yeah, go on, go on. Um, I quite like Damien Lewis. Yeah, well, so do I. Um, he, um, so it was a few years ago, um, Every year we try and go to the Hay Festival. So it, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's kind of books yeah. and literature and things. And they'll have um, different authors will go along and speak. And they'll have different actors um, and actresses that go and do readings and things there as well. So we'd gone along to the Hay Festival, just me and my husband. And my husband had booked us a, a yurt in a field. So it was on kind of a bit of a campsite. But we were in this year, we'd had the first day at the festival. We'd been to see Dara O'Brien on stage in the evening. We'd got back to the tent, gone to sleep, woke up the next morning. And we were just, we'd literally just peered out of this year. So we were just like stretching and adjusting to the daylight and everything. And I glanced over at, you know, kind of the, is it a standpipe, the tap where you brush your teeth on the, and there's this guy brushing his teeth and I think he looks really familiar and it turned like he's not very far away so I have to try and be like um kind of try and say to my husband without anybody noticing that guy looks really like Damien Lewis who's brushing his teeth so because my husband's first reaction was right okay don't be stupid kind of thing and he looks and then he turns back to me and goes oh my god it really is Damien Lewis and anyway we end up um because it's a small little 
campsite. So Damien Lewis and his wife, Helen McCrory, who also is amazing, are staying in this little gypsy caravan on the oh. on the site. Um, and we end all up in the like breakfast tent, sat around at the table, eating our croissants, chatting to them both. It was so surreal as I'm kind of under the table typing on Facebook, oh my God, I'm having breakfast with Damien Lewis. Um, and then, yeah, we oh got it was really, really random. He was doing, I think he was reading some poetry of some of somebody's at the festival and Helen McCrory was doing something else there as well. So, but we, um, we kind of tried to be as cool as possible, but by the end it was like, can we please have a picture taken? Cause nobody's going to believe this. So yeah. So the best ever photograph of me is with Damien Lewis looking like he's my, my husband on my arm. <laughs> That's a lovely story. Lots of nice ones to end on. I can't tell you how much of a joy it's been talking to you today. I've been looking forward to having our conversation since we met and um yeah it's I really just loved it lovely thank you really really loved it as well it's been lovely getting to know you a little bit better as well um and i can't wait until we're back at our well-being brunches again um hugging people and yeah. talking face to face <laughs> um, but i've really enjoyed this it's um it's been a highlight of my day so thank you thank you very much I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast as much as I did. You can find me online at Seed to Source. And if you'd like to share your story of personal change, do get in touch. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week.